All right. Uh, I want to continue the theme of the presence of God. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't be like the Gentiles, it kind of says earlier, who seek this and seek that. But rather you as a Christian, you as someone who's living in the culture of heaven, that's, that's this whole new way of living life, is that if you seek God first, if you put him up there as the priority in your life, all that other stuff will come your way. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to worry. But the key is to put God first, to seek him first in your life. And um, it's a wonderful truth that I know many of you have experienced what God has done. And every now and again, it's important that we remind ourselves to put him where he belongs. That song that we sung earlier, you know, I just want you. There's opportunity to put him back where he belongs at the top of the list. So I want to carry on talking in this theme of the presence of God. On Wednesday night, um, we, I looked at um, Thanksgiving, how Thanksgiving and thanking God actually creates the space for you to enter into the presence of God. There are gateways. You see, Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are of another kingdom. They're not of this kingdom. They are of another kingdom. And this other kingdom has gateways or places where you enter into this wondrous thing called the kingdom of God. And going through or learning the practice of thanking God actually takes you into the presence of God. Um, I originally was going to carry on with that theme, but I'm not going to this morning. Um, So I want to talk to you about gateways into God's presence and how you can use these gates You know, we might live in the world, but our hearts are meant to be in another kingdom. And when you live in that other kingdom, as a citizen of that other kingdom, there are benefits that come your way. And that's where this, and all these things shall be added unto you, comes from. God is not sitting up there, you know, with with a stingy, mean heart. God is a generous, giving, wondrous, amazing God. But he wants us to first kind of get rid of self and through putting God first we kind of put him up where he belongs we get off the throne and that then enables him to trust us with all the wonderful things he wants to give us does that make sense hallelujah rightio so here's a cool thing Matthew chapter 9 verse 26 says but Jesus looked at them and said to them with men this is impossible But with God, all things are possible. Think about it. With men, there are possibilities. There's a a way that you can achieve things and your uh, human power, your human strength, and that can get you to a particular level. But there is a higher level that God has for your life where when God is part of your life, where you put him first, that you create the space for everything to become possible. Your hopes, your dreams, your whatever. You create a space where there is a supernatural hand that lifts up what is possible. See, that's why it's so important that we are not as a uh, part of the kingdom, people trapped by earthly um, limitations. You know, you young guys, yeah, wake up, Peter. You young guys, uh, wh- there he is. There's the man with the dream going to Sweden. 
And you know, I want to inspire you. Don't be dumb enough. Don't be dumb enough to go your own way, but rather put God at the center and he will enable you to live out the hopes and dreams that you want to live with your life. I'm old now, man, kind of, although I can still go to the young adults, I reckon, but my experiences show me, I've seen heaps of young guys in the years that I've been doing this, and I have watched something amazing happen to the young men and women who put him first and see them live out their hopes and dreams. Hallelujah. Do you believe me? Peter, do you believe me? Yes. Yes, good. Anyway, time is racing away. With God, all things are possible. Jesus, when he hit the planet, he said um, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus, uh, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near you. Here's a super interesting thing. Jesus comes to the earth, right? He knew that mankind needed the actual presence of God to come down to the planet because man needed God's presence. So God came down in the form of Jesus to bring the presence of God. Jesus says this, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near you. So when Jesus came, he came bringing the kingdom, right? So he brings this amazing kingdom where all things are possible, where, you know, Abundant life is, but he says, first he says, the kingdom of God is near you. So it wasn't with them, it was near them. And for the kingdom to go from being near you to being with you, there's a thing the Bible calls repent. So I want to talk this morning in regards to one of the gateways, or the first initial gateway to you having the presence of God is going through this process called repentance. Now, a lot of people have a, an idea of repentance, seeing somebody on a street corner with veins popping out their head like mine and crying out, repent, repent, kind of thing, you know? And it's given repentance a bad name. Repentance is not a bad thing. It is the most marvelous, wonderful tool that God has enabled us to have a gateway to enter into the presence of God. Hallelujah. You don't need to be frightened of repentance, friends. Repentance is a gift from God, but we need to understand what repentance means. You know, well, is repentance, I'm going to be a good boy now. Man, I'm not going to swear anymore. I'm going to help old ladies cross the street. I'm even going to like Karen Tard, but, you know. You know, is repentance just trying to be good? No. No, 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 no. The word repentance actually means to change how you think, stop thinking a particular way, and to reverse where you're going, and start to think another way. So there's kind of a change, and the change has got to do with how you think, and the change has got to do with you uh, turning away from doing your own thing and turning to God. Okay, you're with me? It's quite a simple little tool. But don't be frightened of it. And here's the thing. You don't just do it once. Some of you... You need to do it a lot. 
Hallelujah. Some of you are looking at other people. Well, you know what? Get the mirror. Look at you. You with me? Okay, there are lots of other religions that will tell you that there's a way to the presence of God. Now we have Islam. Islam has a thing called five pillars, the five pillars of Islam, which is basically about kind of following a moral code and plus going to, um, you know, where you go, Mecca, right? Uh, Buddhism has a particular way that is said how you can find God as well. Uh, You know, but we're not Buddhists here today. We are Christians. Uh, um, Judaism has a way to find God, which is following the Mosaic rules, right? But Christianity, Christianity, Jesus coming to the planet, Jesus coming down to bring the kingdom of heaven so that it's not just near you, but it can be with you and in you and standing beside you. That's the cool thing about the word with. Is um, With doesn't mean just near. With means with you and alongside of you, Right? which is quite a cool thing. God doesn't want to be near you. God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you when you go to Sweden. God wants to be with you with whatever path your life is meant to walk. Near is not good enough. With is what you want, the presence of God. John 14 verse 6. I'm kind of, you all know this. Well, some of you. This is very basic Christianity. But basic Christianity does not stop when you've been doing the thing for a while. Basic Christianity, all these wonderful truths, are something that you must continue to have in your life in this journey of faith with God. These things are important that you can maintain, not just enter in, but maintain the presence of God in your life. You see, repentance is actually a means of maintaining the presence of God, of maintaining God being with you, uh, with you, not just near you. You with me? Hallelujah. So some of this is kind of basic, but it's not. So Christianity, John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, you can't get to God through Islam if Jesus was telling the truth. You can't get to God through Buddhism if Jesus was telling the truth. You can't get to God through Judaism if Jesus was telling the truth. You can't get to God through um, Hinduism if Jesus was telling the truth. The only way to get to God, the presence of God, is through Jesus, right? That's why he came down to the planet. That's why the son was sent and he proclaimed this thing. Hey, the kingdom's near, but if you want it with you, you've got to repent. Repent is to stop going your way, change how you think, start turning to God and allow him to direct your life that way. And he will help change how you think. Uh, are we solid with that? Hallelujah. Now, here's the problem of why Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come because of a thing that the Bible calls sin. Sin. Again, let's go back to the guy on the street 
preaching with the veins popping out of his head, crying out, repent of your sins, is that people have got this aversion to the word sin and repentance that has really robbed people of the wonder of what it means to understand this stuff and sort it out. Right? Sin brings along with it two things called guilt and shame. Sin, guilt, and shame separate us from the presence of God. Hallelujah. What is sin? Sin is not following God's way. You know, there's the Ten Commandments. Sin is basically doing your own thing and wanting to do life your way. And as a Christian, even when you meet Jesus, even when you uh, start the journey of faith, of identifying sin, and then walking with God, that sin still pops its ugly head up. We can still be sinners, yet we are Christians. And sin, remember, we're talking about getting into the presence of God. Sin can prevent you, even if you have been a Christian for five years, six years, three days, 25 years, 40 years, is it an obstruction to you and the presence of God. And sin is basically doing your own thing. Have you ever done your own thing as a Christian? Have you ever wanted to go your own way as a Christian? Give me a wave. Because the Bible says, all have sinned, in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, all have sinned against God. All have sinned. If you this morning can tell me that as a Christian you have never sinned, well, I've got some news for you what the Bible tells me about you. It tells me that you are actually deceived. You are thinking you are better than what you really are. And I guarantee if we talk to someone near your life, they would say, yeah, he ain't as good as he thinks or she ain't as good as they think. You understand what I mean? Sin. Okay, Isaiah uh, chapter 59 verse 2. Isaiah talking to Israel. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. So, but your iniquities have separated you. See, see the separation? Sin separates us from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. Now look at Isaiah 53 verse 6. I've got a heap to, I want to race through this. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All we sheep, this is to New Zealanders, we're all sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. Now let me think about how many, let's, all. That means all. Doesn't mean some. It doesn't mean most. It means all of you are like sheep. At times, that have gone away. And here's the thing that it, that it says. It's quite interesting. We have turned. Remember, repentance is this change or turning thing. So when I met Christ, when I met Jesus, you know, I had a bucket of sin and I had to get God to sort it out. And there's more to do with that. And um, then I turned to God. And then I started to walk with God. But there have been moments as I've been, look, do you like the move? Hannah, it's pretty good. 
She looks at me and she goes, oh my God, that's my father-in-law. My son has his genetic pull. I married someone. No, sorry, Hannah. Um, so I'm, doing my, I'm walking with God, but then things have happened where I turn to do my own thing. Because remember what it says here? Every one of us, uh, we have all turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's on Jesus. So my point to you this morning is, whether you know it or not, there are moments in your life, first of all, if you haven't met him, if you don't know Jesus yet, if you haven't kind of encountered him, well, he's near you, but he wants to come and be with you. Hallelujah. And for him to, be, to come and be with you, then you've got to do this thing called repent, which is turn to him and start walking his ways. But then if you are a Christian and you've been walking with him, there are these moments that you, I guarantee, have done the turning thing and started to do your own thing. Am I right? And you might not be doing it at the moment, or you might be. And you might, and I guarantee in the future there will be moments where you're going to turn to want to do your own thing. And uh, I reckon I could count never how many times I've been in the position where I've wanted to turn or have began to turn to do my own thing. And remember, when you turn to do your own thing, the Bible describes that as sin, because sin is turning your back on God. Sin is not doing things God's way. Sin is doing your own thing. Is that making sense? But here's the trouble when you do that. You then will encounter two things called guilt and shame. Because if you're a Christian, you will carry guilt and shame when you turn to do your own thing. And here's the point that I've found in my own life, that when I'm dealing with guilt and shame, that it prevents me from getting to the presence of God because my heart feels guilty and shameful. Am I the only one? What do you think, boys? Is it making sense? Peter? Yes. Good. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? But see, we as a church have come to the realization that we desperately need the presence of God. So one of the gateways for us to live in or maintain the presence of God is to understand that at moments as believers, we need to adjust and repent. To turn from doing our own thing and turn to Him. Because then we then are able to enter back into the presence of God. And the presence of God makes the difference. The presence of God, rather than being, a lot, uh, rather being near you, with you, changes your world, changes everything about what is possible with your life. It changes a marriage. It changes how you parent. It changes however you live your life. Because when you've got God, friend, you have got the best thing ever. But we're dumb. Because, you know, sneak along. No, no, I'm smarter. Kind of thing, you know? Amen? amen. Loud amen. amen. Yeah, that's almost there. This is, oh, I'm going to muck you up, David. Sorry. 
Oh, no, 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 maybe not. Yeah, David's got all this list of scriptures and I'm kind of going like this with them. Uh, David's putting them up. So can you put up 1 John 1, 8 through to 10? This is to those who don't think they are sinners. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So here's the point. That tail end of that verse If you say you're not a sinner, then Jesus must be a liar. If you say to me, I'm not a sinner, then friend, Jesus must be a liar. But I'm kind of backing Jesus personally, because I kind of think he knew what he was talking about. Because I think he understood our nature and our fallen aspects of who we are and he needed to tell us the truth because it does also say in the Bible that if you know the truth, the truth sets you free but when you're deceived it says this the truth is not in you hallelujah, there's another one Hannah see Christianity is not meant to be a burden and a life that robs you you know, where you become some religious kook and, you, you know, it's like Pekka was saying, you know, no offense to other styles of Christianity, but, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, it's kind of like people go there and it's such a solemn thing and we should have, you know, respect of God and fear of God, I have no doubt, but it's kind of like everybody becomes this monument. And but they sit there like, whatever, when this wonderful, amazing thing of what Jesus has done and the freedom he gives us is just the best thing. And that's kind of something that you should celebrate and go, wow, man, that's amazing. And church is not, you know, there are moments of respect and honor, but church is a celebration, friends, of this thing that Jesus has done for us. Amen. The presence of God is what we need. You know, we don't need slick programs as a church. You don't need, you know, the latest whatever to make you, you know, something that is cool, man, the presence of God will make you something amazing and wonderful. Hallelujah. The presence of God. If we say that we have no sin, sin, doing your own thing, going your own way, not allowing him to direct you to the wonder of what he has for you, that's, that's sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if you don't have the truth in you, you're going to get all locked up and bound up with the fact that, remember the guilt and shame thing? But here's the wonderful thing that he has given us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, a key to you on your journey to begin with God is to do the turnaround thing. A key to you if you've been on the road a while, and maybe you've got some struggles going on, maybe you've got some stuff happening in your world, is to kind of identify the aspects where you are going your own way and do the turning thing again, do the repent thing to turn towards God. And then this thing called confession. 
confession. Confession is a marvelous thing where we actually be honest about our failings and our mistakes instead of pretending or blaming someone else. And confessing to somebody is not going to go, you stinking, dirty, rotten, whatever, blah. But to someone who's going to say back to you or give back to you forgiveness. And not just forgiveness, friends. It says he will cleanse you. He will wash away the guilt and the shame that separates you from him. How cool is that? One of my practices that I have to do because I am a sinner, forgiven, right? See, what's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? Real simple. The the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that we have learnt to turn our lives to God and that we have learnt that we are sinners and that we have learnt that when we are sinning, We turn back to him and we ask for forgiveness and we are forgiven. That's the difference between a believer and a non-believer. And when we are forgiven, all that other rubbish, the guilt and the shame that people go and pay big bucks or they pop pills down them from some psychiatrist to try to help them wash away the shame and the guilt and the brokenness in them. No offense to medical people too, you know, walking a fine line. But friend, the best place to go if you want to have freedom is go to the one who created the universe who knows really how to set you free. Hallelujah. Some, Jesse, what do you think? So, as I close... My message to you this morning is, friend, the presence of God is the best thing ever. Rather than God just being near you, friend, you can have him walking with you, abiding with you, being a strength to you, giving you things in your life and strength to help you live out dreams that are most amazing things. The presence of God. And if you've been a Christian, you need more of that. And we need to understand that repentance and confession are the most amazing gateways to stay in or get back into his presence. Hallelujah. So I'm going to pray a prayer for all of us. Oh, that's what I was going to say, because I've got results. You know, for me in my prayer life, I have learned and continue to learn that there are moments when I, actually pretty much every day, I, I, I quote the scripture, you know, Lord, if I confess my sins, your word says to me that you are faithful and you are just to cleanse me from all my own unrighteousness. And I I begin my prayer life quite often with that. And you know what it does? It kind of just gets all that stuff and, and and it just gets rid of stuff. And I'm not saying keep sinning and then just do that. I'm saying in turning, you will find he will help you keep away from some of that stuff as well. But as I've learned to confess, it's helped me get into his presence. No worries. You are a sinner, don't forget. Sometimes, you know, you are forgiven, but you need to keep maintaining that forgiveness and getting rid of that rubbish. Hallelujah. 
So I'm going to pray a prayer. Amen, Karen. They always laugh at my prayers. It doesn't matter. Where it's going to allow you, if you follow it and yet it's heartfelt, to get back to where you belong or to get into God's presence if you've never done it before. So are you able to follow me as I pray? You guys on the stream, same thing. You know, Lord Jesus, I recognize your lordship. And you came to bring the kingdom of heaven for me. Lord, I repent of living life my own way. And I ask for your forgiveness. I make the choice to turn to you. Strengthen me, Jesus. I want your presence in my life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.